Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with IBD for July 24, 2019. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and with me today in the studio is Dan Fitzpatrick, founder of StockMarketMentor.com, frequent contributor to Jim Cramer's Mad Money Show. Thanks for being here, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the markets, the importance of discipline, and current stocks. But let's first get into your story, Dan, because it is a great story. I think it's very, very inspirational, and, and it's a, a great lesson on passion. Mm. Um, because you didn't start out in the investment or the f finance business, right? You com started no. out com something completely different. Yeah, um, totally different. I'm sure there's a joke there about my mom and dad <laughs> thinking that a stock was like cattle because I grew up in the San Joaquin Valley. We didn't oh. know anything about anything. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was actually a lawyer. I went uh, to law school and was actually pretty good at it, but I hated it. Uh -huh. And so I just kind of got interested in stock. I really got interested. It was actually more option trading. This was in the late 90s, like 1996. And I really learned about the call option. Okay. And in a bull market, the call option is the equivalent of about maybe 40 IQ points. And so I just kind of got hooked on trading and I hated my, I hated law. Yeah. Um, and so to make a long story short, and it's it, actually I did it so fast, it's really not that long. <laughs> but I just left and decided I had like 18,000 bucks in the account and I figured that I could make a living trading. So, so you were trading on your own while working in law. Yeah, yeah, which and is tough on the old billable hours if you're on. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, and but then, what helped you make the transition over? Did, did you seek out some mentors, or were you reaching out to people? Yeah, I was actually. Um, I one of the one of the people that I was uh, uh, emailing with, corresponding with, was Jim Cramer. This was when he was still in his hedge fund, Cramer Berkowitz, and he was just kind of a, a guest. Uh, in the morning on on uh, squawk box uh -huh. and he was really really nice to me and he would always respond to me and he told me later because we became I, you know i can't say i know jim as a as a friend but i've known him for uh, over 20 years so i guess that counts for something yeah but he said that i he noticed that i never asked him about a stock I never asked him like what should i buy or yeah. what do you think of such and such so i really just got as much as I could from him, uh, from not, you know, as far as knowledge. It's about investing. I'm always you know, asking yeah. like, well, what's a cyclical stock? What do you mean by that? Bicycles, you know, or whatever. Like I didn't know. And he would always and would be actually, very, wow. very, very, very nice. And so one day he, I got an email from him and he asked me if I, he goes something like, you seem like a pretty smart guy. How would you be interested in writing for the street.com? Wow. So that's anyway, that so that's kind of how I started. And then ultimately, um, you know, I gained a following and if it wasn't for him, you know, I don't know what I'd be doing, but it wouldn't be this. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. honestly, uh, when I started out uh, learning about investing and things like that, I subscribed to realmoney.com and I was... Yeah. You you were one of the first oh, articles right? I'd Did always I seem read. Smart? <laughs> you you seem very smart. Oh man, <laughs> chalk it up to good writing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it was beautiful. I learned a lot, and and you were passing it on in, in, the, yeah, in the end. Yeah. Uh, and so so you took that passion, and then you you just kept learning, and you then you started you founded. Yeah, Stock Market I just Mentor. kept going. Well, one along the way, one of the 
one thing that I did, I kind of have this way of talking myself in to positions for which I'm totally incapable of performing uh -huh. and then just kind of learning as I go. Um, John Bollinger hired me for a wow. while. Yeah, wow. I worked for him for five or six months. It wasn't because he thought I was a great protege or anything. I was helping him with another project. Yeah. But I just like I'm going like, oh, my God, here's John Bollinger. So and, I'm and, learning and as and much as I can. let me interrupt you for one second. Yeah. John Bollinger, he created the Bollinger, Bollinger Bands. Bands yeah. They're everywhere on a, on a lot yeah. of technical uh, mm -hmm. charts and uh, very, very popular. Yeah, and I really can't look at charts uh, without them mm -hmm. just because they kind of make sense to me. You know, um, I, I really – that made sense to me. But the thing that really made sense to me with respect to John was he didn't really take any outside news. Though I will say – in his office in Manhattan Beach, along one wall, he had stacks of investors' business daily. Wow. Stacks. Like, sta like I think it had to have gone back to when Bill O'Neill was a teenager. <laughs> and he just kept them because he would refer back to data, and I think that was before the online stuff. Uh, but he never really went to outside sources for anything. It was all self-generated, and that made a big impact on me because I realized that you know, the people that you know and see on TV or in print or something like that, me having been both of those people, yeah. a lot of times they don't know as much as you might think they do. So you're better off just using your noggin, yep, figuring and, and stuff out yourself. Exactly. And and I think a big part about that, and this is what we talk about also how you get better as an investor, is you have to fit the strategy to your own, own personality too. For me, that's everything yeah. because – when I first uh, when I first started trading, I wanted to trade. I wanted to be a good trader. Yep. But you stop and feel like, what the heck does that even mean? It means nothing. It means nothing to be a good trader. You have to specify the type of trading that you want to do. If you want to be an options trader? Fine. We don't just trade options. Like sell options, do bull put spreads or something. Or you get my point. Right. So until you focus on exactly what you want to do, then you're never going to get good at it because you don't even know what you're doing. Well, I'm buying and selling. You don't know when you're right. You don't know when you're wrong. You're, you're just flipping a coin. And so what I learned to do throughout the, and my personality is such where I just flip something, like buy it, oh, I'm up a buck, I'll sell it. Oh crap, I'm down five bucks, better sell that. Yep. And so it wasn't until I really, and Mark Minervini was a real influence on me here, where he is, I don't think Mark's the world's best trader. I think he's probably the world's best trader at what he does, right, right, at right. his style of trading. Right. And his deal is, dude, if you know one thing, then just do it over and over again. Yep. You know, you're not trying to be an encyclopedia. Yep. And so what I've learned is that when I just follow my numbers, you know, what's my profit? What's my average profit? What's my loss? What's my batting average, et cetera, et cetera. The insight that I gain from that is so incredible. It's you wouldn't unless you do it you wouldn't believe it right. you'd go oh crap it's a waste of time but it's really not and so it's how i was able to get over my instinct to just flip stuff and instead learn more about uh myself and how it's i make more money when i just hold winning stocks longer and we're gonna Duh. get more into that in segment two about about you know, the process and being disciplined yeah. but let's switch gears for a second sure. and go into the current market mm -hmm. and so right now with the current market we're in an uptrend. We've been in an uptrend for most of the year. Yeah. Uh, four distribution days on the NASDAQ, though. So some distribution mm -hmm. that have been collecting. 
uh, and three on the S&P 500. Now, underneath the surface, there are leading stocks. The leading stocks are con continue to act well, a lot of software stocks. Yep. But the key is also we are starting earnings season, so anything can happen there. Yeah. What, what are you seeing in the market? I am seeing an incredible amount of strength. <laughs> And I'll, I'll t but I, I hear what you're saying and, and the data doesn't lie. You know, it's yeah. kind of like you're entitled to your own opinion, but not your own facts. Yeah. So we see the distribution days. But what's really impactful to me, and I wrote a morning note about this, is all of the negative news that hit the headlines today. And frankly, the big one, in my view, uh, was the DOJ opening up, you know, announcing that they're investigating these big guys. And, right. you know, we don't need to go into that now. But, you know, German manufacturing numbers cratered. Deutsche Bank, you know, s continues desperately seeking zero. You know, they're not <laughs> making any money. Um, Boeing missed their burn. They burned like a billion bucks. And JP Morgan says the dollar's going to implode. Like all of this negative headlines and not to mention the political stuff, but that's everywhere. The market gaps down about like a third of a percent and then immediately starts moving higher. Right. So it's a typical thing where you're going like, God, if this stuff isn't going to kill the bull, then I think that thing's just going to keep running. And, and it's kind of been the theme this whole year, right? Every chance that this market has uh, had to sell off you find buyers down there. Yeah. And see, and one thing, you know, I don't hear too many people talking about this, I think because it's persisted for so long. Yield. Where else are you going to put your money? Yeah. Where are you going to put your money? It's like, oh, let me buy the treasuries. Really? I live in California. I'll, get, I'll pay federal taxes on that. And then Gavin Newsom wants his chunk. I get like three cents left over. So there's no return on other vehicles right now and so i just feel like any little dip people use that as an opportunity to buy whether or not i mean and you can i think you can always find reasonable stocks is the market overvalued i don't know i don't trade the market i trade individual stocks yep so the market continues to be in an uptrend but remember we are in earnings season and so anything can happen and so know when your stocks are reporting let's take a quick break and when we return we're going to talk about the importance of discipline why process uh, will improve your trading, and why you should be picky on stocks. Hi, everyone. First, I want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast and your support. And I wanted to let you know that we want to hear your thoughts. And if you have questions for us, we will answer them on the podcast. Email us at investingpodcast at investors.com. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcasting platform. We're back with Dan Fitzpatrick on Investing with IBD. So Dan, let's talk about your process and really about discipline and being picky with your stocks. Yeah, the there's, what are they? four, five, six, seven thousand stocks in the trading universe. And that's a lot of information. And I think when I first started trading, I didn't want to miss anything. I, you know, if something was moving, I wanted to be there. Right. And I always felt like I didn't get in the right stock. And, you know, I was trying to play the market. And after a while, I realized that if you want to trade well, your process should not be one of inclusion. It should be one of exclusion. Mm. And it's a key thing because what you got to do is you have to define a strategy and approach that works for you, have some parameters that fit that strategy, and then put the blinders on 
and everything else you don't look at. You never look at it. You continue to run scans every so often. You don't have to do it every day. You're not going to miss anything. Run scans a couple times a week to see if something crops up. But generally speaking, just, you know, don't uh, don't look at anything else. And in Stock Market Mentor, you know, we have all kinds of different traders. Yeah. And so people are asking me all kinds of stuff like, oh, what about this? What about that? And it's like day trade, swing trade, position trade, investment. And so that make, got very confusing to me. Mm -hmm. And so what I finally did, because I trade, like I'm not just some guy on the internet. I thought, okay, I gotta do this. I have to eliminate all this stuff. I can answer somebody's question, but most of the time I'll say, okay, not my kind of trade, but here's what you can do. Yeah. And so when I get a defined list with like, an, and I like what I find in MarketSmith, like growth profiles, earn, you know, and revenues and sales, love the accumulation distribution, couple other things like that, that I have those parameters that I set and those are the things I look at. And that's the start. That's the start. Like, right. you know, we have people, I'll have people come to my website and I'll have a list of 10 or 15 stocks and some new guy comes on, he goes, oh, okay, so should I buy all of these? I'm going like, ah, yeah, no, 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 no don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So you get the list, which really put another way means you eliminate 98% of all stocks and then you look for entry. So, so you, you mentioned so like five, six thousand stocks in the universe, yeah. right? You're narrowing it down using a market smith to hundred, hundred stocks or even less than that. How, how tight is I, the, the I criteria? I would say I'd say a hundred's probably a good a good number to start with. Yep. But it literally is. It's kind of like that's the bin yep. for that that they're in. And then I'll go through other things. And like for example, if I'm looking for uh, what I call just my growth stocks. Uh, one of the things is, and some of this is just standard IBD stuff. I need to see an earnings per share rating of 90 mm -hmm. or better. Sometimes I'll drop it down a little bit. I need to see accumulation distribution, which you know, for my style of trading for our website is really important. I need to see it be a B or better. Yep. Now, if I, if I get a, in a stock that's an A, and then at, through the course of the trade, which can last weeks or months, um, if the rating starts to drop then to B and to C and all that, honestly, I don't really care about that because I got in it right and now I'm just looking at the chart. So you got in it right, now you have a profit cushion, now you're letting the stock do its thing. Yeah, because, and frankly, I mean, I, I know how I know how it's calculated. Yeah. I know how that, that indicator's calculated. And just because institutions aren't really like buying it hand over fist, doesn't mean that it's not a good stock. Right. Maybe they're just not buying it right now and they're letting it settle out. I yep. mean, the, the little pullbacks, the little plateaus on charts, that's part of the, that's the healthy part. Like if you're doing, like you look at, uh, uh, I think it was PaySign, that one that uh, did really, really, really well, yep. but I couldn't, I wanted to buy it, but I couldn't find an entry, but the numbers looked awesome, but I couldn't find it. Institutions buying it, and then, um, you know, the numbers came, or somebody accused them of some accounting stuff, and we don't need to get into that, but the stock just tanked. And I'm saying, that is why you have to wait for the exactly. right entry. Right. Because if you have the right entry, the stock moves against you a little bit, and you know you're wrong. But if you're chasing the stock up to heaven, and then the stock starts pulling back, how do you know if you're wrong or just a little late? Yep. And so the entry to me is a huge 
part of the trade and you have to have the pullbacks. So what do you say to people? So people are, you're buying it properly, stock goes up. Mm -hmm. Now it's normal, especially for people who are newer to this, to get scared out of a normal pullback. Now I'm not talking about something that comes down in a couple of days all the way back and giving all the right. gains. Yeah. More gentle kind of 45 degree kind of pullback going through its normal kind of uh, process. What what uh, you know? What yeah. kind of advice do you? Well, can you I give think those guys? you know to that person, and I've been that person. Yeah. You know, I'm a blue collar trader. You know, I started out with nothing. Um, to that person, I would say you're thinking about the money too much. You're thinking about the money. Work on being a good trader. Work on trading well, and you have to define what trading well is, and that means have some parameters, and one of your parameters has to be risk management. What what are you going to do when you see the stock moving, you know, drifting a little lower? And so on something like that, if if somebody's getting shaken out with the first little wiggle or, or first little falter in the stock, um, they either didn't get in right, you know, they bought it wrong, in which case they're managing a loss as opposed to managing giving back some of their profits, which is a huge difference. Right. But if assuming they got in right, they just simply don't understand that pull that you have to endure a pullback if you aren't willing or able to endure a pullback you know that's okay too this is not your style of trading then you need to be a day trader you need yep. to be a swing trader yep. where your deal is no i buy with the momentum and i sell right when the stock's pulling back that's just not that's just not me probably instinctively frankly it is me I'm 61 though. I can't do that stuff every day. Yeah. And and also I don't feel like you make the most money. Yeah. You make the, the most money by getting good stocks. Yeah, you get good stocks and you let them the big money's made in the the larger trends, right? Jesse Livermore yeah. talked talked about it in his books. Uh, you know, it, I, it's I've really never, you know, when I'm sure there's people out there that have made fortunes day trading, seriously. I just don't know any of them. Yeah. But I know a, you know, a fair number of people and know of a lot more people that make their money just like you say you know, just from following the trends. But what I always ask, you know, I tell my members this and I think about it all the time. Whenever I'm buying a stock, one of the things I think instinctively is who's behind me. I want to know who's behind me. And what I want to, who I want to see behind me are institutions. Right. I want to see money, not, you know, Jim Bob and Jethro's fish <laughs> tackle and trading shop, yeah. you know, but I want to see real money behind me. And if I feel, if I see institutions buying, if I see volume, you know, the typical thing that right. we look for, that gives me the confidence to let that stock ride. And the thing that a lot of people don't realize, particularly beginning traders is institutions don't change their mind between Monday and Wednesday. And that's a really key point. Like you get into a stock, you buy it right, and you go, yeah, institutional accumulation. I see the nice trend. It's moving. Half. Oh, hey, it moved down for two days in a row. I got to sell. Right. You know why? Well, it's probably because the head trader, you know, Sid took a day off, you know, or maybe they just think the stock's a little too expensive because they're the ones that are buying it. And so they're saying, like, let's take our foot off the gas and let the stock settle in. We don't want to drive the price up yeah. too much. And and, uh, and another big thing for institutions is during those pullbacks, when the stocks come down, and, and, and it's not, and a lot of times, at least for my stocks, yeah. they're, not, they're not always gentle. They're, they're going to come back. They're going to test you. Right. But it's those institutions 
they're the ones who are going to come in, support those stocks at those key support areas, like a 50-day moving average. Yeah, to me, and you know, sometimes people will say like, oh, well, that's too simple. Well, yeah, the, the best things always are. Yeah. Um, institutions, I don't know if there was a, if there's like some institutional trading manual, but institutions tend to like to buy stocks at the 50-day moving average. Not every stock just stocks that they like. Yeah. If, if, if I'm a big fund and I want to be buying a stock, I don't want to buy it up 15, 20, 30% above the 50 day moving average. By definition, I'm, I'm buying too high. So I'll ease off once it gets down there. It's like, okay, this is a pretty good price. I know I'm not buying at the high. And so that to me is a really key benchmark. But like you say, as far as enduring these pullbacks, the steeper the pullback, the way I look at it is the less support you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Because if there's real like widespread demand for a stock, you're not going to see it, you know, like four or five red candles with the close near the intraday low in a row. Yeah. Because what that's revealing is there's really nobody there lifting up the stock. Now, there may be a big buyer down below with open arms, but I'd prefer to see the nice gentle ones where you know there's widespread interest in the stock and it's just the weak hands, you know, not a pejorative term, but just people that, you know, are kind of looking to get out of the stock where they're selling. Those are the opportunities because when you can buy a stock that's drift, an uptrending stock, good fundamentals, it's drifted back to the 50-day moving average, you have your line of demar demarcation. I know I'm wrong if the stock falls below the 50-day moving average. You give it a little room, yep, but right. that's a good entry. It's a low-risk entry. Well-defined, it's low-risk. Yeah. Uh, now, what about selling into strength? You know, that, uh, for me personally, when I was learning this in the beginning, and it took me a number of years, is mm -hmm. that was the hardest part for me, because you're finally right on a stock. Yeah, well, here, it's interesting, because every stock moves differently. And I, you know, I just, uh, I had a rare I won't even say what the name is, but you know, I had a rare trade lately over the last few months where I made uh, like 102% profit. That's totally an outlier, not well, typically my it. deal. <laughs> but like we were looking at the at the chart beforehand, and you could see I I had a really really good entry right near the 50-day yes. moving average. Yes. And this is the important part: the stock never gave me a reason to get out. Yeah. Now, if it had of then I would have been out and I would have had that trade. So it's really not on me. Like, I don't really get the credit for that. I yeah. get the credit for the entry. Yep. But And then I get the credit for just sticking with my process and saying, okay, well, my plan is I'll sell if this, if that, whatever. Never really happened. And so then as far as selling into strength, at, we're talking about IIPR. So after the stock really popped up, you know, in a big way. Right. I actually didn't sell into that strength, but I watched it really carefully. And then shortly thereafter, I sold it. And that's a better way to go than chasing a stock down right. where you had a 20% profit and you get out with a 12% profit. It's nice profit, but you know, could have been better. Yep. So remember, you don't have to buy every stock that you see setting up. A lot of times, the best thing to do is pass on the stock. You know, keep saying next, next, wait for that perfect pitch, and have the patience to see and act on the right one when it finally comes along. Coming up next, we are going to talk about some current stocks that Dan is seeing on the radar. So stay tuned. Want to find stocks like the ones on this podcast? 
A lot of the best names we talk about come from IBD's exclusive stock lists, like the IBD 50 and the Big Cap 20. Whatever type of investor you are, we got a list for you. You can access every one of IBD's lists, plus stock ratings, exclusive analysis, and one-on-one -on -one coaching with a membership to IBD Digital. It costs less than a dollar a day, but for podcast listeners, we're offering an even better price. Go to investors.com slash podcast offer right now and get your first two months for only $20. Dan Fitzpatrick's our guest on Investing with IBD. Now, Dan, let's talk about some current stocks that you're seeing on the radar. Uh, the first one is Heiko, and these guys are in the aerospace industry. They've done really, really well over the last couple of quarters, and they're in the replacement part business that helps people save, help companies save a lot of money. Well, yeah, it's 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 kind of an interesting, kind of a cool um, uh, market segment that they have. First of all, aerospace and defense. Big. I don't know what the group you know ranking is, but I'm sure. Oh, it's well, let, me, let me find out right now. Let's 14. find that out. I know on on Mark Smith fourteen and Group RS rating A plus. There you go. So the thing is, though, um, you think about it, aerospace. You know, a lot of in a lot of business these days, but everybody needs to cut costs. Yes. And so, from what I understand in doing the research on the company itself, they're really good at that. You know, if they can, if you can do something for cheaper same performance, you're going to do it. And so they're they're growing really well, like you said there. Earnings and revenue growth over the last year, you know, if we're looking at quarterly growth year over year, it's it's really high. It's all in double digits. Yeah, and you have accelerating earnings, yeah. accelerating sales. So three quarters have just kept getting better and better, yeah. both on those key metrics. Uh, now, the interesting thing with this, and, and you were speaking about this in segment two, waiting, you, you might find these great stocks, but you have to wait for the entries. Right, and this one right here, at least in my opinion, hasn't set up, isn't set up. Oh an yeah, if, right now. if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're clicking the mouse and buying the stock, you obviously just tuned in and you didn't hear the, <laughs> the yes, previous exactly. segment because yeah, this is one of this is one of those stocks where I look at and I don't own it, and frankly, I, I may never get a chance. I may never get a chance to buy it. And the thing is, I'm willing to live with that mm -hmm. because you know I'm not, I haven't fallen in love with anything here. Um, it's just a great potential trade, but the stock really needs to settle down a bit. They don't report earnings for uh, over a month. And so, but it's a definite stock to watch. It's on my watch list. And I would say this, if it starts trading sideways and gets a, you know, gets a little bit closer to the 50-day moving average, right now it's about 9% above it. Yeah. You know, if it starts drifting down a bit uh, and gets within, you know, 3 or 4%, I think that's a, a decent entry. Yeah, so keep know. this on the watch list, you know, set some alerts. And yeah. it's amazing at how you, you might forget about these stocks and a few weeks later, you, those alerts start to go off and, and you might have yeah. your chance. Yeah, and that's, a, you know, the important thing about this, I won't digress too much here, but one of the most uh, important aspects of trading is staying organized. Yes. You have to stay organized yeah. because, you know, you don't, as I would mentioned before, you want to exclude a bunch of stocks but for crying out loud, the stocks that you have in your universe, you want to track those. Yeah. And um, I use alerts. I, I have a trading assistant that I call Lurch, uh, which is just like Fitzpatrick shorthand for, alert, or for alerts. But I'll set alerts at key levels. Uh -huh. And then I f totally forget about the stock. And, and I can do that because if the stock doesn't hit a level or do a certain thing that I'm looking 
for I don't want to look at it again then it's excluded from my view yeah the only time I get the stock called back to my attention is if it's interesting so everything's about focus you know keeping that focus on right yeah and it's I mean frankly it's really hard to it's really easy to talk about it now yeah very easy to but it's very very difficult to do and most of that kind of needs to take place after market hours yes um, but you need to have a routine that's the thing and I you know I've traded kind of from home or in my own little office for you know for a couple decades and when you work for yourself it's can be really tough to stay organized because it's like your boss lets you do what you want to do because you're him yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, so to have a routine of things that you're doing every day and then you're refining your routine, you can get a lot done in a short period of time, but it's all organization. Yep, it comes down to discipline and also, it's amazing how the best stocks, they'll come back maybe very, very quickly and then they'll they'll bounce. If you're in a great market, yeah. they're gonna bounce. They might bounce that day and all of a sudden be extended from that 50 day within a matter of hours. Yeah, you have to be, you have to be, I say you have to be decisive but not impulsive. And if you if you have a process, yep. we I've been talking about, it, I talk about it all the time. If you have a process that you're confident in, then when a stock meets your criteria, act. You're not being impulsive. You're just finally getting the fruit from the process. Yep, you're following your plan at that point. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So let's go to the second stock. This is Inspire Medical ticker symbol I N S P, mm -hmm. and uh, they're a spinoff from Med Medtronic. Uh, back in 2007, and uh, what do you see in this stock, and why are you interested? This is a great story. Yeah, it's kind of it, it's kind of interesting. Um, I uh, I have sleep apnea, and um, it's Frank, and I also travel quite a bit. It's a pain in the butt. It's actually a pain in the face. You know, either way, you wear this goofy mask. I have like yeah. this nasal thing, which looks like I really need oxygen bad. You know, like put me in the wheelchair and like wow you know um and, and it's it's very 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 inconvenient how how big is the equipment well the the actual unit has to be by my bed and it's probably about you know a foot and a half uh wide and then about eight inches uh high and deep you know that kind of thing so yeah. it's kind of a big deal yeah you can take them on airplanes without being charged, you know. Um, but then there's like a long hose and there's this thing that wraps around your head, which gives you a bad case of bed head every morning, you know. <laughs> and But it's just really inconvenient, right? Yep. But w it's not as inconvenient as snoring and waking yourself up and all that. And this is a really, really, really big problem. It's a widespread problem. So um, Inspire, you know, they were spun off. And what they do is they make implantable See, I don't know exactly what you call them, but it's like they're electrodes. They yeah. make this implantable device that you hook up, you sync with a, with a little unit that's probably about, you know, three or four inches uh, tall. And, you know, you can hold it in your hand. It's like half the size of an iPhone. And then every night, you know, you turn it on and activate it. And then the unit gets in sync with your breathing and it stimulates the muscle that causes sleep apnea because the muscle relaxes, you know, at night and causes you to snore. Yeah. So it stimulates that muscle. It keeps keeps your airway open, sleep apnea gone. Okay, so that's great. So I have a person that's kind of the can slim thing, right? Yeah, like exactly. I'm I mean that's a major disruptor or a potential well, I, major. See, disruptor. I th I think it is because like if you look at uh ResMed, for example, um, you know, I yeah. think yeah, anyway. Ticker symbol R E S. Yeah, yeah, like they um 
you know, they, they have sleep. RMD, uh, sorry. Yeah, RMD, RMD. yeah, I know. Um, I was looking at the same thing. So, yeah, they have uh, sleep apnea stuff, but not this. Yeah. So I think that's a, a, a disruptor. But the most important thing is that Blue Cross is starting to uh, cover this stuff. Huge, huge. And I'm actually getting uh, one done within the next few weeks myself. So I'll, I'll let you know how it is. But yeah. but the point is, the fundamentals look good, too. So I'm not just figuring out some goofy stock, you know, that, that I have a personal interest in. Yeah. You know? I mean, they have great revenues. Uh, it's very, very cons consistently over 60% revenues, a lot of times over 90% quarter over quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, and on a technical basis, they broke out of a cup recently. Yeah. Relative strength yeah. ratings, 97. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's been an outperformer. For, for a little while now. And it's also another thing that we love here is, is it's a new company or a yeah. new, new publicly traded company. Well, yeah. And so, you know, the, the deal is um, I remember uh, Dave, Dave Ryan, who I, I know I've, I've had the pleasure of chatting with him several times. Um, you know, he's an old IBD. It's a good friend of ours. Yeah, yeah, he's great. And he said, you know, he doesn't care about finding a stock that doubles. He doesn't care about getting the first double. He yeah. just wants to get the Love second that. or the third or something like that. And that's the way I look at this um, because it's trading at around 68, 69 bucks now and they don't make money. But they've got a good product and they're just starting to get insurance coverage. That's and huge. so yeah. that's the type of thing where and I'm not like a fan or anything. I, it's not my deal. But I look at this and it just kind of makes sense to me that they're going to start reporting numbers and they're going to start earning money. And then isn't that when the uh, you know, when the value of the company starts uh, starts going up? Right. So I really do feel like this could be a really, really good um, trade, even though some of the components of it don't quite fit my, you know, my my list, you know, but enough of them do to where I say, okay, I know this, I know the industry because I'm right involved in it, so I like it, you know, I yeah. like this stock. So, so another one that's acting really well, a little bit extended right now, but keep on your radar, set those alerts, and it could give you a, a chance over the the next few weeks or next few months. Let's go to the third stock, and that is Cyber Cyber Arc. Uh, ticker symbol CYBR. Now this is a this is a a company that I own shares in, and, and right. they're in the as cyber do I. Full disclosure. Yes, full right? disclosure. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure uh, they're in the cybersecurity business, and this is actually a, a very very fascinating business because this whole industry has adapted to mobile phones and and the cloud. Yeah, it's really. Um, you know, back when I first started trading, you know, cybersecurity was like, you know, some dude named Cy with a gun and, you know, a down in the reception area. That's cybersecurity over there. Um, so, yeah, it's a real fascinating field, and, and I don't think it's being overexposed. I think it's a field that's just going to keep expanding. It's, is, are we early in the story? Probably not, but I don't think that means that we're late. And right. so, yeah, CyberArk has great. They've got you can't argue with any of their fundamentals at all, like really, really strong growth. I think it's a little bit tough to be buying right here unless you're adding to a position, which I actually did today. But we've had this stock since 90 bucks, mm. you know, so yep. this has been a really, really good mover for us but another um so i really like the stock in that regard and like if it pulls back even say um maybe i've got supported about 135 if it pulled back to 135 i think somebody you wanted to buy that would be a pretty good entry yeah they have yeah. huge earnings uh great sales 
Uh, they're in a great, great industry group. The industry group ranking is uh, 13. There are a lot of stocks in this group yeah. that have done phenomenally well and kept coming up on, on the radar over this year. Yeah, we there's several that, uh, you know, we don't need to go into an exhaustive list, but there are several that, that are in that industry that are doing really, really well. Um, Zscaler is is another one that, uh, ticker that we've symbol been in. ZS. ZS. Yep. We've been in for a while. And theirs is a real interesting uh, it's it's a real interesting part of the business. I look at them as kind of like the middleman, you know, um, where they they're in the cloud. And so if you've got um, business in the cloud, you're a big company, small company, whatever. They they're the ones that keep you from getting hacked. And so anything that you send out, you have to go through them. Anything that comes back in has to go through them. So anyway, CyberArk is awesome. Zscaler is also another yep. good one. So keep an eye on these current stocks and remember to have the courage to pass on a lot of stocks and wait for the right one to come along. Thanks, Dan, for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. It's been fun. That's it for this week on Investing with IBD. Next week, we are going to have Ivan off on the show, a longtime swing trader, author of many swing trading books, and one of the founders of MarketWisdom.com. So that's it for this week. I'm Arusha Pierce, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.